welcome into the Irish NFL show Friday night, presented by Pundit Arena. Friday night, back with these buckos again. Colin, welcome in, my friend. Welcome in. What a what a Friday! Uh, it looked like it was going to be just you know we'll, we'd come on this evening. There was still going to be enough to discuss, and then the trade happened. So we'll be have plenty to delve into this evening. We'll delve into it in a second. Brian, top marks for showing up. How are you getting on? All good. Oh, consistent as ever, yeah. Just when we thought the free agency period was starting to dwindle and we were only seeing a handful of signings that we could potentially discuss to save in not just one trade but two trades. The Dolphins go one way and then quickly move themselves back up the back up the ladder on the on the draft and the Eagles get involved. It's been a crazy few hours. And last but certainly not least in Dublin Free. Welcome. Uh, Mark the Dublin Free, yeah. Have I got that wrong? Yeah. No. It's all right. Uh, no, it's funny, Mike. A couple of hours ago, I thought we were going to be like we were based in West Mead because there's no show like a Joe show, and Joe Flacco seemed to be the story of the week. But fast forward a couple of hours, and we've got an upending of the draft. And uh, hey, plenty of fun to look forward to in trying to break it all down. And certainly, Eagles fans, 49ers fans, and Dolphins fans are right there trying to figure it all out right now. We are one month away from the draft. We're going live on the Thursday night because why not? We've got two special guests tonight. The first one is Irish NFL buff Steve O'Rourke. You may have seen him on Twitter. Uh, Steve, welcome into the show, man. Uh, first time, and it's it's great to have you on this Friday night. How's it going? Yeah, yeah thanks for having me. Of, of all the Friday nights as well. Like, I mean, it, it worked out quite well. It definitely has. But just before, Steve, we jump into t- today's crazy news, can you tell us a bit about you know your your journey to being an NFL fan? How does it start? Teams, etc. Yeah, um, I suppose like a lot of people, kind of in the early nineties, I kind of started watching the highlights on on Channel Four and RTE, and um, got a couple of Sports Illustrated magazines that featured Raiders players on the front. Started listening to NWA, so it kind of started moving towards the Raiders. Wasn't really. Li- aware of how much disappointment I was setting myself up for for the rest of my life but uh they seemed like a cool team to follow so I did uh and it has pretty much been a disaster since uh in terms of fandom but that got me into the sport uh I started coaching the sport I wrote about professionally for seven years as well um and yeah uh, you know I've gotten as much out of, of of American football as I could possibly hope so yeah it's it's been good to me can't wait to hear your take on just the NFL in general and obviously today's news as well. Colin, let's break down today's news. For, for anybody that was living in a cave from about 5 o'clock Ireland time, what happened today, man? Uh, well, essentially, the, the, the big move was the 49ers uh, who gave up a, a lot of draft capital to uh, the, the Dolphins to move up to the number three spot. So that was really the, the the big news of the the day, and obviously then that followed with uh, the Jets swapping places with the the Eagles to move back up to to six. But the the story I think of the day is around the the Forty ers and what they are going to do. You don't give up that sort of capital without you know it's got it's going to be a QB. The question now is, which QB is it going to be? And then, of course, what happens with um, Jimmy Garoppolo? To me, this isn't a surprise. I think it's been obvious for quite some time. Kyle Shanahan was done with Garoppolo. I think that he just lost faith in him after the Super Bowl. The stories had been there that he felt that 
you know, uh, Garoppolo, it was on his shoulders to win it. They would have had the opportunity and it didn't happen. It's very difficult to come back from that. We saw the same with Sean McVay and Jared Goff. You know, if you really feel let down in a, in a Super Bowl, coach just is always looking to, to move on. But um, of course, they now put out the stories. They're not looking to move on from Garoppolo. They want to keep him. I mean, that's to see just how much uh, I think they can get from Bill Belichick. We've already seen him give out a whole load of money to players. Just how many picks is he willing to give to John Lynch to secure, uh, to bring Jimmy G home? Uh, because they need uh, a quarterback. And if if Garoppolo can stay healthy, I mean, Michael, you like to give JJ Watt a hard time, but Jimmy Garoppolo, his injury record, uh, you know, if he can stay healthy, uh, can, can he be a, a, a decent QB? Yes, but, uh, you know, um, I, I think you go a bit like Goff, you go to a Super Bowl in spite of Jimmy G rather than because of Jimmy G. Brian, you must have loved that news today. It was quiet enough a couple of days and then it just hits you like a ton of bricks, doesn't it? Yeah, like, as, as Carl's alluded to, I suppose we weren't too surprised to see the 49ers trade up. I think it was inevitable that someone would try and make a move up. And we have discussed over the past few weeks in terms of would they, would they select a quarterback in the draft at 12? I suppose we always felt if they did, it was maybe just to sit behind Garoppolo for a year and Garoppolo would then move off, you know, in 12 months' time and that quarterback would be brought in. But now the fact that they've moved up the tree, and we've seen it time and time again, they'll come out and say the right things when, when a quarterback is drafted around. The fact that, yeah, we've got our quarterback, he's going to learn from him. But if the 49ers, for example, do select a quarterback and they don't start the season off well, if Garoppolo is still there as the quarterback, the pressure then comes on John Lynch, comes on Shanahan to move the quarterback in. But, yeah, I think now it's, it's more a case of, which one they're going to go for. I think that kind of cements as well the fact that the Jets are in all likelihood now picking Zach Wilson. He had his pro, pro day today. He looked very efficient. You know, I know it's not the same as him really being on the field, but as much as you can see from a pro day, he looked good. You'd have to think that they've had a conversation with the Jets as well. I mean, they're not just going to reach out to the third pick and, and hope they can conclude a deal there. You would imagine they've reached out to the Jets. Jets have said, thanks, but no thanks. We have the guy in which we want. And with everything that's happened with Watson late, I think that's kind of taken away now for the fact that they're just going to pick the quarterback in which they believe is the right guy. And uh, then the Dolphins, I think as well, they've done really well in terms of coming back in at six. You know, in all likelihood now is they'll probably still get the player at six that they would have got a tray because the way it's lined up. And I know it's mock draft material and everybody has their own opinions, but general consensus, the Falcons may try to pick a quarterback to groom after Matt Ryan. The Bengals seem to be well in on Penny Sewell, the offensive tackle. So, you're thinking then, you know, they've done a deal, they've got a first-round pick, further down the line, and a tour pick, and the Inal, like, they will still get the player. So, good move for, for the Dolphins, still concerned about the 49ers. We've got a comment from Dooney R. Interesting to see what traction Jimmy G will get on the trade market leading up to the draft. That really leads us in beautifully to our next uh, guest tonight, Mark. Um, <laughs> Patriots, no? No? Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind Jimmy G Q back uh, in some respects, but I don't think, you know, that's the way Belichick's going to go. The only way the lot of his off-season moves make uh, sense is if you think that he had his eye on drafting a quarterback early and taking advantage of the inherent benefit the rookie contract with a quarterback makes. Um, I actually think Belichick is probably looking at leaping over um, San Fran, potentially trading with Denver or something like that. And San Fran have decided we're, we're taking the, ga the, the gamble out of this. We're taking the gamble that people will try and trade with Denver. We're taking the gamble out of other teams and leaping back up. 
if he offers anything for Jimmy G, it's going to be a bit derisory, I think, a bit like how 49ers probably picked him up in the first instance. Um, he has been made of glass. You know, he is a J.J. Watt uh, injury routine. Carl uh, Long, sorry, Chiefs fans, he's definitely been made of glass the last while and when he before he retired. Um, so I don't see him having a great degree of value on the trade market, but the same token... I didn't think Joe Flacco would suddenly get an extra $2 million in salary than what he got from the New York Jets last night. I didn't think the backup quarterback market would be quite as hot uh, in theory as it has been. Um, so there are there will be contenders and people interested in him, but I actually debate, like, why would the 49ers trade him? The 49ers, I don't think, have any interest necessarily in trading him. They'll draft a quarterback at three, and they're quite happy to let quarterback sit there behind Jimmy GQ and learn his trade in relation to it. If you think about it and bridge quarterbacks, and we saw it with Tyrod Taylor and uh, Justin Herbert last year before a doctor intervened, um, the teams want a little bit of maturity, a little bit of opportunity for growth. The Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes dynamic, etc. Yes, uh, you know, a rookie quarterback is not guaranteed to sit for the year in the way they used to always do in the olden days. Um, but I don't think it's that dramatic. Can I also just say, I also really love the Eagles move here in many ways. They are not one great first round pick away from being a brilliant side again. They're obviously hitching their wagon to Jalen Hurts uh, for better or worse. And I, I fear that the, the Hurts are going to be worse for them. Um, but here they go, trade back a little bit, still 12, still good pick, range to get a good player. And they pick up an extra first round pick. So if I'm an Eagles fan, I kind of it's a, not a bad bit of business for the Dolphins there. Steve, the Steve is yours, my friend. Uh, obviously, an interesting evening. You sit down, have a cup of tea, eat dinner, and then your phone goes about 90. Like, who's the winner from today for you, or what's your main takeaway from today? My main takeaway is the chaos of the NFL, because like this all starts with Darmy Tunsil being photographed in a, you know, in a mask, smoking a bong, dropping in the draft to the Dolphins. That suddenly turns into four first-round picks that turns into all of this you know uh, draft capital that the dolphins have amassed over the last few years and even likewise like we all looked at the, the final week of the nfl season and, and we saw the eagles lose a game that nobody kind of thought they were going to lose and that's given them the opportunity to do what they you know they moved up three spots in the draft and now they've been able to do this trade as well like so much and like there's i see a few places the ringer in particular were giving like harry roseman you know props for you know orchestrating what happened in in that week 17 game or whatever and you're just going maybe maybe we just don't understand a lot of this stuff that goes on like so much of this stuff is i suppose serendipitous in, in a way but i think you have to you have to commend the dolphins for what they've done um absolutely took advantage of houston being willing to give up whatever you know anything because houston and bill o'brien didn't know what they were doing but they've been smart since. And, you know, they were unlucky not to make the playoffs last year. Uh, but it might turn out to be a blessing in disguise for them as well. So I think I think Tua is safe for them. And I think you can only make the trade they, they the trades the trades they made today if if you feel comfortable that you have at least a serviceable quarterback there. San Francisco's move I don't understand because even if you move up to second, at least you know you have your pick of anyone who's not Trevor Lawrence. It's a little bit of a lottery to move up to third um, or below because you're not really sure who you're going to get. So 
I wouldn't be making that move as a GM at all. Like, I don't think Jimmy G is is the QB for the future. But I also don't think that the 49ers are a QB away from a Super Bowl leader. So it's going to be really, really interesting. And I feel like on draft night, we're going to get a Mitch Trubisky or a Daniel Jones moment that's absolutely just going to throw everything into chaos again. Um and I have a feeling that that quarterback may well be have been the quarterback of Alabama this year. And I have a feeling he is going to go much, much higher than he should and than anyone expects as well. well I, can't, I can't wait to see your draft mock, seriously. That, that's that's a great statement to make. Before we jump, jump on, Connor, Connor McGill, I think his surname is. Uh, I think this is in relation to your comment, Mark. Agree, it's difficult for a rookie quarterback to come in and learn from Shanahan's playbook. For the first season, people loving Mark's comments already. Uh, Steve, a stay in you, man. Obviously, a crazy free agency week. I mean, I mean, I felt like this. These lads were my family at one point last week. We were going live five nights in a row, but a quiet enough week for your Raiders to an extent. Were you surprised, but with maybe the lack of moves, or are you happy enough? Oh no, I wouldn't say I was happy. Um, it feels like the Raiders are and have been since Mayock and Gruden came in. They've, they're kind of in between a, a full rebuild and and just going with what they have like i was convinced that the priority would have been defensive line and they kind of did make a few moves there obviously solomon thomas from the the 49ers former top three pick but i thought safety would have been the next priority and instead they've, they've done this weird thing where they've, they've signed another running back um who they now want to convert to being a wide receiver and it just all feels a bit clever, um, unnecessarily clever. Um, we all know what the right, like, I am a big defender of Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr is a very, very good quarterback. And I know people will vehemently disagree with me about that. But I think at his best in this Gruden offense, because John Gruden is a really good offensive coach, I think the Raiders are a top 10, top 8 offense. The problem is the other side of the ball, and they haven't really addressed that. I don't see how they're going, where they are in the draft, I don't see how they're really going to address that either. So I would have expected a big move in free agency on defense, and it just didn't happen. And it's a, given what they've done with the offensive line, which was too expensive, like they put a lot of money into that offensive line, and they were okay, but they weren't as good as I think. A lot of people conflated with what the offensive line did last year with what the offense did. And I think they were actually two different things. I think they moved the ball. They took that Patriots um, offense of getting the ball out really quickly. So it made the offensive line look really good. And I think you can service that with rookies or younger players on cheaper contracts rather than the massive contracts. Like, like Trent Brown was on a lot of money for someone who wasn't playing a lot of football. Gabe Jackson is a big loss, but they feel like James, the replacement center, is they 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 both Mayock and Gruden both feel like he can do a job. I don't know if they'll take a step forward or back on offense this year, but I can't. I know for sure that they're not going to be able to do enough in the draft to address the defense, and it just feels like it's just. Like the man is only thirty million into a hundred million contract in John Gruden. That's the bit that I don't get. Like he has not earned that money yet, particularly on that side of the ball. So it's frustrating. It just feels like you're in a car in a field on the Sunday of Electric Picnic. You're trying to go home, and the wheels are just spinning and spinning and spinning in the muck. Or a Monday morning with oxygen. That's yeah. even worse. Even worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. 
I, Steve, I'm, I suppose I'm interested in um, what you, what the Raiders did at running back because I watched the Broncos have uh, a, a rookie, well, an undrafted one in Philip Lindsay, and then they bring in a guy who, um, you know, they pay a lot of money to because he can catch out of the backfield, uh, and that's the dream. And now the Raiders have gone and done just the exact same thing with Kenyon Drake. Thoughts on that? Mm, I'm glad we're after the watershed for my thoughts on that, but that way. Um, look, I I think we're in an era where you don't pay your running back his second contract. You let someone else pay the running back. So it feels like Jacob is on his way out of, of, of Las Vegas when this contract is done. Uh, but all the talk is that Drake is going to be is going to line up a like wide receiver as WR, you know, WR three for them. So I I don't know what they're doing in that, like because obviously, you know, the contract say this all comes from the contract they gave to Mariota last year, ten million dollars to play backup quarterback. Madness. They now transferred that money to Kenyon Drake to play backup running back slash wide receiver. Um the only thing I can think of is they they believe that Henry Rogues will make a huge step forward as WR one this year, and that's why they let uh, Nelson go to the the Patriots. And I think that's a really nice bit of Patriot or business from the Patriots. I think they signed was it Willie Sneed signed on today. I think that was official today. Like I think they feel like Rogues can do that job. I think like we the tight end position in Waller is sorted like Waller is really like WR1 for 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 the Raiders and you know a, a little bit like um whoever Pitt signed for you know when in in the draft is going to be WR1 for whatever team he signs for like tight ends are becoming basically receivers in all but name I suppose um so it all kind of starts from there um and it does feel like it's it's a move to the future in terms of Right, we know that someone else is going to be the person to pay Jacobs his second contract, so we can get Drake in for a while. Plus, nobody knows. Like, there's it feels like there's going to be a massive jump in salary cap next year. So, taking these deals that are kind of cheap this year, but you can put a lot of money towards next year, I don't mind so much. I just would have rather the money had gone on safety or, or, or cornerback or anyone who can play defense, really. And I suppose that's to the point, then. I suppose with free agency moving away and we're focused towards the draft, Steve. Is it defence for the Raiders at 17? I wouldn't say they're no-man's-land type scenario, but they are kind of caught in that kind of position where middle-of-the-road, not middle-of-the-road player, but middle-of-the-road in terms of where they are in the draft, the difficulty is you're reliant on other teams to not pick players that could fall down to yourselves. It's, it's, it is the worst position to be in the draft. I think if you need a position, if you need a position, if you can't, like it's a great position to be in if you can just go best, best player available. It's it's brilliant to be there in the middle of the draft because you can go back, you can go forward, you can do whatever you want. I think if you need a position, you're kind of in trouble around around that mark. Anywhere from kind of 14 to 20, you're in a little bit of trouble if you're, if you're really positionally scarce. That kind of said, like I feel like they will put all. Uh, I think they will go just pure defense for the first kind of two three rounds of this draft, and uh, because I think they have to. I think uh, you know the offense is serviceable. The offense will is fine. It's not like there's a tackle going to fall to you. It's not like there's another receiver going to fall to you. You might as well go like best edge rusher um available, best safety available, um. But it's really difficult to see who that player will be. The only thing that's kind of in their favors is. I think we'll see quarterback, 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 quarterback for the first time ever. And then we might see a run on receivers and pits that I mentioned the tight end earlier on as well. Like, So 
for the first time ever, there's nobody really in that kind of top seven or eight that you would go, oh, they'll definitely take a defensive player. And we could still see some movement before, you know, you know, you mentioned earlier on about the Patriots possibly trying to move up to, to try and find some sort of QB. Um, I still think there's another move to happen um, that might benefit the Raiders. And, but like, that's not good management either. Like hoping someone falls to you is not, it's, you know, hope is no way to run a football team, even a football team as dysfunctional as the Raiders. I think, Steve, that should be a mantra for life. Hope is not a way to run a football team. That's a great line. I mean, I know you're going on about safety. I, I, I have a little bit of empathy for Mayock here because all the best safeties were locked down on the franchise tag and it wasn't a great free agency. Josh Jacobs, I must admit, I'm a huge fan of. I'm, I still remember, I think it was this season, Collinsworth uh, got a, a graphic presented to him on the NBC show. It was like, most yards from scrimmage by a uh, Raiders running back during their first 23 games. It was that random, and it was like Marcus Allen, Josh Jacobs, and then Bo Jackson. Connorsworth was just like, guys, can you let the guy have a couple of seasons before we start putting him in that category? But, you know, he's definitely got talent. But I want to kind of loop back again to the age-old question at quarterback there, and you kind of say, you know, they seem to be committed to Derek Carnell. But, and you're a big supporter of him, and I'm a big supporter of Derek Carr. I just think he's a very talented quarterback, but it almost feels like, I don't know if the right analogy is Stockholm Syndrome or, or otherwise, but it almost feels like Gruden and Carr, there is some degree of kidnapping. I'm not sure who by who, and they feel stuck with each other. I mean, I could draw a bit of analogy to the Jets, and again, you assume with today's news, the 49ers did reach out and make a call to the Jets at some point, and the Jets said, no, we're staying here because... We're sick of Sam Darnold again, who's a 23-year-old former first-round pick or 22-year-old former first-round pick who's still wondering why nobody loves him. People don't love Derek Carr enough either in relation to it. I am in the minority in terms of Raiders fans in, in, in liking Derek Carr, but it, it's I watched enough bad quarterback play from the Raiders to know when you've actually got a good one. Uh, and I watched enough bad quarterback play around the league. Derek Carr makes mistakes. He absolutely does make mistakes. But he it's such a it's such a silly thing to say but he can make every throw he can do the deft touch back shoulder fade he can do the 60 yard bomb he just was never asked to do it before like we saw last year they opened up the playbook for the first time and Derek Carr had a, like a massive increase in 20 yard plus passes now Waller obviously helps that because he gets open quite a lot but and Aguilar obviously was the the speed guy in that offense as well like but I just think he he at his best his ceiling is incredibly high the problem with Carr is that his floor can be high as well um so I think there's a friend there's a guy actually uh, the American football team my coach uh, the the Dublin Rhinos the head coach Gisty is a, a Raiders fan as well and we always talk about like good Derek and bad Derek and it really, really feels like that. Like when he's on, he's really, really on. But when he's bad, he's amongst like, you know, the bottom 10 quarterbacks in the league. And you know pretty quickly in games which one you're going to get. But I think 10, 12, 14 games a season, you tend to get good Derek Carr. Um, and I take that because like 
There are so many mediocre quarterbacks out there in the league playing their trade that can't make the passes that he can make. That can't like the Bruton offense is a really complex offense. There's it asks a lot of quarterbacks. It's not in the Shanahan kind of mold. I, I like I'd be very, but I'd still be very worried about a rookie quarterback coming in and trying to learn that system. Like it's taking Derek Carr, who's been in the league ten years in three seasons to get to grips with the Gruden offense. Like, it's complicated. It, it really is. But, like, Raiders fans need to give him, like, a little bit more, um, a little bit more leeway. And I think the thing that happens with Carr is that his brother is on NFL Network all the time as well. Um, and I think that puts him in the spotlight more than, say, other quarterbacks in his kind of category. Uh, and I don't think that helps him at all. And, and, and for some, for whatever weird reason, Jaguars fans in particular hate Derek Carr. And I think it's because it's the draft he was taken, and he was obviously taken in the second round while they took Bortles or whatever. But like, there, uh, Maurice Jones Drew on NFL Network is always kind of giving him a bit of grief as well, and that kind of stems out. So I think he has. He's one of these players who. You hear more about than you should when he's bad, but you don't hear enough about when he's good. Um, but I will like I will I am firmly in the better the quarterback you know um than 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 the one you don't. Like Marcus Mario obviously came in and had one good game last year. But like one good game is not enough enough for me to go, maybe we should make a change of quarterback. But for a lot of Raiders fans it was and I'll never understand people like that at all. That that was Steve, that was that famous Eurovision song, wasn't it? Better the quarterback you know than the quarterback you don't. Yeah, yeah do spot, you know. <laughs> what what's an over year as well for Raiders fans could be good anybody else. Uh, Steve, last one for me, man, because we, we we gotta get you back on the show again before the draft even. Um what's the one like you know, just one that we haven't talked about, one player that's come into a team in free agency that you fought whoa and it's really blew you away. Has there been one like that that we haven't spoken about? I don't like. I I'm not a fan of off-season awards because I, even like we're talking about the Dolphins say winning today's trade. The Dolphins have only won today's trade if they win two Super Bowls in the next five years. Um, so it's really hard to kind. And I, I'm that's putting a lot of pressure on them. But considering the draft cap- capital they have amassed, the player in Tua, say for example, that they they've signed. Uh, or that they've got, you know, on under contract, it, they should be doing really, really well. But uh, I'm trying to think. No one kind of stood out. That, I'll put it this way: no one. I didn't see anyone sign that I thought. Jesus, I wish the Raiders had just thrown the checkbook at that player. Um. So I think no. I, I like again, and maybe it's just because I'm so conditioned to not handing out teams trophies for 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 a free agency and uh, and preseason i don't want to do it or maybe it's just the raiders fan and me trying to protect myself <laughs> in a bubble of saying no everyone had a bad free agency it's fine it's it wasn't just the raiders no it's it's understandable i think it's in some ways because i certainly and i'm sure you do remember the 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 2011 eagles the the dream team uh, as they as they were known and we all remember what happened there but equally as soon as you saw uh, tommy terrific take his talent to tampa bay last year you figured they were going to be there or thereabouts so 
Well, I definitely didn't write a tweet saying this was a disaster of a move, someone retiring to Florida. So, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll, 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 we'll forget about that one, Steve, because in fairness, you've been a, a fantastic guest and we want to thank you for taking the time to, to come on and chat to us on a, a Friday evening. And we definitely would uh, love to invite you back on again in the not too distant future. Thanks for having me, lads. Thanks, Steve. Steve thanks, man. And hopefully get a few pints at uh, week one in Dublin as well, man. Cheers. Absolutely. Good luck. Thanks, Steve. All the best, man. Take care. Cheers. Uh, that was great to have Steve on, boys. Good crack. Colin, or Brian, yeah? Good crack. Yeah, Sorry. very good. Yeah. Good to hear Ra- Raiders in for, for, for a change. You know, we don't tend to talk about them too often, so it was good to hear what Raiders fans are thinking right at this moment in time. And if you enjoy getting the Irish fans or Irish NFL fans' view on the sport, follow Steve on Twitter as well. I'm sure we're getting back on again. If you, I'm sure he'll come on. He'll, he'll come on. We've got another guest now, boys. Now, I think Brian's very excited here. We're delighted to be joined uh, by the senior editor of the Giants Insider newspaper and host of the Giants Insider weekly podcast. To be fair, I've seen a lot of this guy on Twitter, even though I'm not a Giants fan. Uh, Jerry Foley, a real Irish name for a start. Jerry, uh, welcome into the show, man. How's it going? Great, guys. And, and Brian, nice to finally meet you, man. We've been we've been like texting and messaging each other for like a year. Yeah. So I felt like we yeah. were pen pals. Good stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah, we've had a we've had a, a turbulent twelve months together. Let's put it like that. Yeah, I know. Unreal. Thanks for having yeah. me, guys. Uh, Jerry, just before we, we get our boys in here, um, very Irish name. Have you any Irish connections yourself, or any affinity to Ireland? Yes, uh, ancestors are from Ireland. Uh, so I'm more Italian. My mom was um, all Italian, I believe, uh, and my dad German Irish, and Foley. I, but you know, my grandmother's maiden name was Flaherty. So I mean, it's uh, yeah. Uh, definitely Irish ancestry. And Jerry, look, the, the Giants talk about a, a storied franchise in, in this league. Um, you know, as a, a fan who um been watching the, the team for a while, some uh, standout uh, moments uh, for, for you from the, the years? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it has to do with my dad. Um, you know, and, and Giant fans usually say that. It's a generational rite of passage with the Giants. And it's, you know, your father was a fan, your grandfather was a fan. They had tickets at the Polo Grounds, then Yankee Stadium. They went to Yale Bowl for, for a couple of years, even Shea one year, then Giant Stadium, and then MetLife. Um, but, I, you know, it, it's funny. The older I get, the happier I am about the 86 team that my dad was able to see that. Uh, he suffered for a long time. Giant fans suffered for a long time, 30 years without a championship. So I was... 12 years old at the time. And I loved it. You know, I, I, I became a fan in 83 when they were terrible. So I have credibility there. At least I didn't jump on when they were good. Uh, and then, but I understood how bad they were for so long from stories from my father. So in 86, that was the best team ever was happy. They wanted more for him than even for me. And I even realized that as a kid, but then since then I've been very selfish. I've enjoyed it all myself. The 90 um, championship, the wide, right. And you associate them usually with like times in your life. So I was, you know, in high school in 1990, in 2007, how can you beat that? You know, how can you beat beating the undefeated Patriots, you know, the way they did. And then in 11, just kind of verified Manning as the, you know, the ultimate Giants quarterback. So it's hard to, to pick and choose one moment. Uh, I'd say my best, one of the best days of my life was my first game in in 84. Uh, They came back against the Chiefs. They were down 27-14, and they won 28-27. And that's the kind of game that just gets you hooked for life. So tons of good moments over the years. It's really hard to pick which one was the best. 
Jerry, this would be a good time to tell you that Mark is actually a Patriots fan, so I could see him smirking there. Oh, that's all right, man. That's all good. As long as you're not Philly, I don't care. Yeah. Philly's the evil. I respect the Patriots. I, I used to work with a bunch of uh, Boston guys who would get on me, and I'm like, guys, I don't, I don't have time to hate you. I have Dallas and I have Philly, and that's it. So um, I understood why they hated the Giants, and, I mean, Brady would be what? I don't know, nine for nine, I guess, without Eli and or something like that. I, I lose track of how many he has, uh, or, or or eight of nine, rather. So I, I get it, man. Don't worry about that. I, I don't hate the Patriots. I respect them, and, and you're welcome for having Bill Belichick. So, Jerry, you know, we haven't had a lot to cheer about over the past few years, so I think most joint sons were pleasantly surprised over the past 10 days, you know, with the yeah. free agency acquisitions and I don't think a lot of people realize that without that Leonard Williams contract being done, that was that right. was the first domino to allow us to be in a position to go in and put offers in on players. And you know, we've we've done a bit of valuation. We've brought in Galladay. It's kind of unheard of these days since COVID to bring players in and do yeah. the medical or the physical. But we've done a lot over the past ten days, and I certainly think coming up to the draft now for the first time in probably five or six years, we can probably pick the best player that's available. You know, whether it's Offensive line, linebacker, defensive end, yep. cornerback, probably off the table now. Which, but it's 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 a welcome relief to not be very evident that we have to pick a player for a need for the first time in a while. You couldn't be more correct. Other than safety, quarterback, and running back, that's it. Those are the only three the Giants would stay away from. I even think cornerback, Chris and I talk about it all the time on the podcast, it wouldn't shock me if they took a corner. I don't think they will. But you're right, everything else is on the table, and and – I mean, I, I did my mock draft, unfortunately, yesterday before all the trades today. So I had to redo it um, for, the, for the issue that's coming out Sunday. And I have, you know, because there, I always had four quarterbacks going in the top 10. But now you're hearing maybe Mac Jones goes, too. It's crazy, right? So really, the Giants, say four quarterbacks go, the Giants are technically picking seventh from a skill position standpoint. And you're going to have guys like maybe Micah Parsons, Caleb Farley, Patrick Sertain. Um, uh, the second, I should say, uh, uh, Pay, maybe Slater. There's going to be like seven or eight guys that they could pick. I really would love them to trade down, but Gettleman doesn't, so I don't think he's going to. But they could pick seven or eight guys, like you said, and take the best player available, and it ends up being a position of need because even though they did have a good free agency period, they, they still need you know a decent amount of guys. So, yeah, this is setting up beautifully, and the fact that they got Galladay – they could still go wide receiver in the first round, and I don't. I wouldn't be mad, but I don't think they will. I think this this opens that up more because they got Galladay. Uh, it opens up that number eleven pick to a lot more possibilities. The, the one thing um, I thought today was when I saw all the trades going. Obviously, thinking from a giant selfish point of view, and I felt this was always off the table since Rudolph was signed to kind of I suppose, you know, he's had forty touchdowns in the red zone. He's a great block in tight end. Kyle Pitts is now in a position where because of the quarterback situation draft, he potentially could fall to the Giants and he's a standout player and you'd have to wonder, would they make that make that trade and, and or sorry, make that pick and potentially then look at trading him? Oh, from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> I mean, I, I've been hope it happens, but look, Evan Ingram's a good guy. He tries hard, but you know, how, how much longer can he be patient with him? He's going to get 6 million this year, his fifth year. The organization supposedly loves him. But I agree with you. I, I would love to take Pitts at 11. What's funny is I've been doing these pro football focus um, mock drafts, the draft simulators, and every single time, no matter who's there, I take Micah Parsons 
And I, I didn't think I would be doing that. But every time that he, he shows up, even if Penny Sewell falls or Pitts, I grab Micah Parsons. But, yeah, I mean, you said it. If they took Pitts, it's another weapon on offense. And, uh, yeah, there's got to there, – there might be a team out there who would give the Giants a third-round pick for Ingram. And if they do, I think they should do it. But, I, unfortunately, I think the, the organization is so high on him, I don't even know if they would trade him or not. But it wouldn't surprise me if they took Pitts and just – Tried to figure it out afterwards. Jerry, uh, thank you indeed for Bill Belichick on behalf of the Patriots organization. Um, it always because obviously Belichick in part, whether culpable or complimentary, is responsible probably in part for all four of the Giants rings at various times along the way. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I'd love to to talk with you in one respect about how the Giants are going to win the Super Bowl this year. But as Brian O'Leary does such a great job of that every year I've ever known him, explaining to me at the start of every season just how it's all going to happen. You know, I, I know he'll do an adequate job on behalf of the Giants nation. But you mentioned you've been a fan since 83. I have to ask because one of the standout players, of course, of all time, the Giants, is LT. You know, yeah. I mean, he was a, an absolute freak of nature. Yep. I have a little bit of an assumption that he might be the greatest giant of all time in the opinion yeah. of many Giants fans, including people like yourself that would have seen him live. Does that stack up? What was he like to see live? And if not LT, was there someone else that for you over the years you've kind of gone, no, that was truly a great giant? Yeah, I think if you ask 100 Giant fans, 99 will say Lawrence Taylor was the greatest. And if they don't, that one person – must have some kind of bias against him or just loves another player. Um, he was ridiculous. And even as a kid watching him, I just, he stuck out. Like you're watching the game. You don't know anything about football and you're like, who the hell's 56 and why is he all over the place? Uh, what was, what I've learned, what we've learned over the years, we've interviewed these giants on our podcast was how hard he practiced and the stigma about the off field issues. Uh, it didn't hit the practice field. I mean, he, he practiced as hard or harder than anyone and expected you to bring your game. So while he was doing things that were um, nowadays, he'd probably be suspended for a while. Um, he brought it every Sunday. And it was like, you know, it, I always say with LT, when they got him in 81, now granted they got him a little before I was a fan, but the organization, it was almost like they were getting their lunch money stolen every day on the way to school. And now they brought their big brother with them to beat up the bully. And that's what Lawrence Taylor represents to me and most Giant fans. Like, he's the guy that, that came aboard and was like, no, no, no more. No more. This, this is over. And he was so – they were loaded at linebacker when they drafted him. And he was such a ridiculous player that they, were, they forced him to start. It was forced to start. And he was just a, a franchise-changing type of player. Ridiculous, ridiculous talent, competitive. And that was the – that's what I miss. Like, I just love his competitiveness. Um, I don't think you get that nowadays where, you know, you'd see him come over to the sidelines yelling and screaming at his teammates and they responded to it. I think as far as like what other player, I, I would say Michael Strahan was probably the second greatest that I've watched, but I, it's hard to not throw a, throw in there Bavaro for a short time. Uh, Sims Manning. My, my second favorite personally was Jesse Armstead because I thought he was undersized and he brought it every week too. And he, he, he got the Giants with Strahan and Jason Seahorn, believe it or not, back to respectability in 97, and they went on a little bit of a run. So my second favorite is Jesse Armstead. But as far as, like, second greatest Giant, you would probably throw in Harry Carson. You'd probably go back to um, Frank Gifford from the 50s. You know, just to be respectful of all the errors. 
there's a lot of great giants in history that people never heard of. So Mel Hine, Emlyn Tennell. I mean, there's a ton. You, you could – two is debatable. One is not debatable. Okay. Thanks to Marion for your comment, and thanks to everybody watching around the world and obviously in Ireland as well. Uh, Jerry, my question from a general NFL perspective on the Giants, what is Daniel Jones' ceiling uh, with Jason Garth, do you think? Oh, that's a good question. I, I, I don't know. Um, that, that's hard to answer because what's his ceiling? Yeah, last year's numbers, I had 11 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. I, I, I always say, like, that's like a 1979 stat. Like, that's unheard of to, to be so inept. But, you know, he didn't have a number one receiver. He lost the, the, the best weapon in Barkley week two. And his offensive line took a while to get going. So, you know, you don't really – it's hard to pin the blame on, on Jones. And then there are times and, – and, and Chris has pointed this out on, on, the, on our Twitter account – where Garrett called some weird plays early on where you have four receivers just doing curl routes. But then Garrett made some good calls. Like Garrett, Garrett's call to, to Evan Ingram in Philly was the perfect call. He got Garrett singled up on a linebacker. Um, Ingram singled up on a linebacker. It was wide open. He dropped the ball. So it's hard to judge Garrett and Jones based on just last year because of how flawed the team was and, and, and the lack of, lack of playmakers and, and lack of, of cohesiveness on the offensive line, but I think his ceiling, I think he's a, I think he could be a 30 something touchdown guy. He's just got to watch the, the turnovers. He took care of the fumbles this year, but he was a little careless for a stretch with interception. So I think he's a 35 touchdown, 17 interception quarterback, to be honest with you. He'll still be somewhat careless, but I think with the right, with the right playmakers, he could be a 30 plus touchdown guy. Um, and I suppose, Jerry, when we when we look at the the NFC East and what's going on there, like you have Dak signing the the new contract, uh, you know, you have the the Washington Football Team bringing in Ryan Fitzpatrick, and we got to see what they do in the draft. And obviously, the Eagles paying a guy thirty four million to pay for to play elsewhere, and they're going to run it back with uh, Jalen Hurts. Although the talk today was. They may have traded up because they weren't sure, but now they've traded back, so it looks like they're going to stick with Hurts. What are, what are your thoughts on uh, that division uh, You know, for the 2021 season? Yeah, I, I think it's ours for the taking. I, I think these moves that were made were made for now because, I, I look, you always want to improve your team, but you can't tell me that Gettleman and Judge and company didn't look at the division and say, why can't we win this? I mean, you, you look at the, the Washington football team, and, you know, I have Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback because they're not in a position to do so. So other than their front seven, now they've added receivers now in free agency too, but their front seven was what got them going last year. I mean, they're six and what, six and 10. They're the same as us, and we beat them twice. But they have a very good front seven. They added a couple of receivers in free agency. But when you look at Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's very turnover prone. So – you know, do they scare you? Not really. I mean, if they had a quarterback, they'd probably scare us more. Then Dallas, they signed Dak Prescott to all that money. Dallas has no secondary. They have a lot of talent on their team, but their secondary is terrible. So the Giants should be able to take advantage. But I, unfortunately, I think they're going to get better at the nine, at the, the, the 10 spot, because they'll probably add a corner out of the draft. But it's still going to be a rookie. Um, so they don't scare you either. I mean, Dak Prescott... A lot of people have strong opinions on him. I think he's an okay quarterback. I think he's very middle of the pack. He never impressed me. He doesn't scare me with, with 
two minutes to go and he has the ball, I don't necessarily think he's going to win the game for you. I, I, I don't know. I, I was never a Dak Prescott fan, and I love what's happening <clears throat> Excuse me, in Philly, other than the fact that uh, they, they got a, uh, another draft pick, another first-round pick today, which I was pissed off about. But I thought, I thought they were going quarterback at six. I'm shocked. They traded out, and I thought, oh, man, they are really sticking with Jalen Hurts now. And maybe they're doing it to see another year of him and then make a decision next year when they could potentially have three first-rounders based on, on Wentz if he plays, I think it's, what, 75% of the snaps or something like that. But the Eagles are on the downslope. But unfortunately, they have so many picks this year maybe three first-rounders next year, they they can get going pretty quickly. So as of 2021, I like the Giants' chances in their division. Brian, there's a comment here from Colin, uh, Colin Meehan. Daniel Jones, second most accurate quarterback, 20 yards plus in, in the last season. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, number one, Derek Carr, number three, Brian. Yeah, I know, but like in fairness, the stats, the stats are the stats. What you see with your eyes is very different to what the stats are. I mean, if we were to work off stats, it's quarterbacks who've had fantastic careers that have not done a lot. Look, I, I'm going to ask Jada a question on Daniel Jones. I know we, we touched on it, but you'd have to think, Jada, if this season doesn't play out because of the players that they put in their, in, in positions for him now, there's no more excuses in a sense. You know, if it doesn't right. work out this year, you know, and I touched on it during the week jokingly, but and people thought I was mad, but with the Russell Wilson situation next year, I know geez, we haven't even got next season and we're already talking about the off-season, but like we've said about if it doesn't work out this year, the Giants will move on and they'd obviously have to look at another quarterback. But what's to say that they wouldn't be in the sweepstakes next year to make it make a move? On the basis that if the team had a, an 8-8 eight eight season, for example, and George and Gettleman looked at it and said, you know what, we were close again this season, we just need a quarterback, what's to say they wouldn't be in the, in the sweepstakes for Russell Wilson next year? Well, he, if is, eight, he, yeah. he is going to leave next year. Sorry. Well, if they're eight and eight, I don't know if Gettleman's coming back, right? Yeah, so that's, that's first. Yeah. But um, yeah, we talk about it. If it's if Daniel Jones doesn't perform this year, then they're probably going to move on. Whether it's through the draft or someone like Russell Wilson. I love Russell Wilson. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks, maybe of all time. Uh, I love love his game. Love how mobile he is. Yet how accurate he can be. I don't know. It, it, I, you'd have to look at the whole team and see what position they're in. If they're in a win now type of spot, like if you look at next year, say they go eight and eight and you think, well, Daniel Jones is the only reason we went eight and eight. We are loaded on defense. Our offense came together, but it was really Jones. And you feel like you're a quarterback away. Then maybe they'd make that move. But I still think that they would draft somebody, um, you know, if they, if, if, if they were going to change quarterbacks, but it's, it's not unheard of, but, you are right that if Jones does not work out this year, you know, year three where they've given him weapons, and even non-Giant fans texted me after they got Galladay. They said, no more excuses for Danny Boy. And I said, yeah, I know. But, you know, the line still has to come together. Uh, but I, I, I agree with you, Brian. I think if he doesn't do it this year, then they will move on from him. Um, Jerry, I love a couple of things you're bringing up there in relation to Dallas and uh, Philly. I mean, the, the argument that they sold Kenny Golden going to the Giants just by reminding him that he does legitimately have to play those two secondaries at least four times during the year yeah. um, might have been an attractive context for yeah, him right, in right. terms of that. Um, also, just in what you're saying about the Washington football team, I mean, just for uh, viewers effectively, they picked up Adam Humphreys during the, the week in one of the lower agency um, groups. Yeah. A good pickup, again, a reminder, guys, the big money in free agency, you know, yeah, he got a massive deal a couple of years ago, but you never sometimes see the end of those deals. So he's had to take a low 
pay grade, uh, low um, low grade deal there. Looping back to the Giants, though, one of the things, and I know it's hurt Mr. O'Leary over the time, um, being very disappointed in Nate Solder, for example. One of the things has been a bit of a, I'm not going to say a dumpster fire, a disappointment, that's probably more accurate, has been the play of the offensive line. I mean, it felt like at times Saquon, when healthy, was making things happen in spite of them, not because of them. Their protection of Daniel Jones, and yes, he's had turnover issues, hasn't been the most consistent. Is that something, obviously, first round of last year, obviously, opportunity to address it in the draft, is that something you see improving this year significantly and really firming up again, or is it still an area of concern? No, it's it's the biggest area of concern right now, and they have to probably add a guard, uh, which is why Slater would also be on the table uh, if he was there at 11. Slater's a tackle from Northwestern, but he translates to a guard, can play anywhere on, along the line. Maybe even you would put Slater at tackle and, I don't know, uh, shift gates. I have no idea what they would do, but – it's it's a concern. They if they don't add a guard in the, I would I have them picking a guard in the third round, someone from uh, from Alabama maybe, but I, I would say you have to add a guard within the first three rounds because otherwise you're going with Shane Lemieux who was good in in run blocking but not so much in pass protection, and Will Hernandez who has not lived up to his lofty dress that draft status. He was ranked top fifteen of all positions back in eighteen, and they got him in the second round. Um, yeah. I'm very concerned about the offensive line. I, I'm cautiously optimistic at the job that that Judge can do with them because he brought in a new offensive line coach. Uh, when he saw what wasn't working with Mark Colombo last year, they did get better for a while. Uh, brought in Dave DeGuglielmo, and then then they they got rid of him, and and the line kind of played off a bit at, towards they tailed off towards the end of last year. Uh, but no, it it is a big concern. Uh, but I I have faith in in Joe Judge. And Gettleman, even though he hasn't done it yet, um, to improve upon that line. You know, Andrew Thomas was a fourth overall pick, and you could argue that Becton, <laughs> Werfs, and um, who's the other one? Willis. Uh, should have been picked instead, right? I had them taking Werfs. I loved Werfs. But you still have to – you know, it's only it was only the rookie year. So you have to give Andrew Thomas some time. Um, Nick Gates surprisingly played – maybe the best of the bunch as a center um, other than Kevin Zeitler, who they cut. That was the, that was the concerning part for me. Cutting Zeitler. I understand why they did it. They saved $12 million, but he and Gates were their two best linemen. Um, So now you have a void at right guard that you're trying to fill probably with Will Hernandez right now, or a player that's not on the roster yet. So long story short guys. Yes, it is a, a big concern for me. Jerry, last one for me, mate. Colin obviously touched on the NFC East there and Dak Prescott. Uh, obviously seeing Ryan Fitzpatrick go to Washington. Do you see Washington as a contender in the East next year? Do you think, I mean, like, do, do you think the East will be very tight next year with, with those four teams? Uh, what's your thoughts on that pickup for, for Washington? Yeah, I think the Giants run away with it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I, 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 not, not at all. I, I Yes, I think it will be very tight again. I think Fitzpatrick... Uh, I don't know if he's an upgrade over Alex Smith. I, I think it's he's mistake prone. Like he's got be- some better qualities, but the 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 interceptions and the uh, turnovers are, are are the issue with him. He's definitely an upgrade from Dwayne Haskins. Anybody is. Um, and with the receivers that they added, like you, you just said, they are. I think it will be Washington and and New York. I think most people feel that way. It'll be the Giants and the football team. Uh, you know, down to the wire, competing for the division. I mean, I can't rule out Dallas either. I don't want to. I don't want to underestimate them, 
But if I had to pick now, it's probably between Washington and the Giants. Jerry, we can't thank you enough for, taking, for giving up your time to come on the show tonight. I know it's a busy evening for you and coming into the weekend. And, you know, you've been very generous with your time. We really appreciate it. And obviously, we'll be back and forth, you know, talking with the Giants. But we can't thank you enough. Thanks very much. Oh, absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Fun time. Anytime. Cheers. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks for off your time. Thank you. All the best. Uh, and that was Jerry Foley from the Giants Insider. Uh, gentlemen, Giants Times newspaper. You can follow Jerry at Giants Insider. I mean, Brian, but no. Yep. At Giants Insider. Catch the podcast. Catch the uh, newspaper. If you're not, if you're a Giants fan and you haven't listened to the podcast, you should. It's, it's brilliant. It comes out once a week. Very good. Excellent. Excellent. And boys, that's, that's us for another week. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Oh, here we go. What do you mean by the refrigerator? Yeah, it's all here. It's here. It's here. It's it's, it's a lovely tea. I'm not going to lie. Uh, yeah, if you want to get some merch, irishnflshow.com. We've got everything you need, literally everything you need. Uh, well, the has got nothing on you, Michael. You know what I mean? Huh? The modeling is, you know, your true calling. Look, I, I'm trying to get Dickie Rock. I'm trying to send him over one, but he, I can't get his address. I know he's 80 odd now, but if he wants, if he wants one of these, we'll get him. I would love to get Dickie Rock in one of these, and we'll. Uh, Did you know he's not on Twitter now? He's not on Twitter. He's in his 80s, as far as I know, or his late 70s. So if somebody can get him, give him a shout, we will get uh, Dickie Rock. That I mean, I might have to pay a customs fee at the minute in vaccine land up here, but there's bound we'll, we'll there's bound someone out there that can reach out to Dickie Rock, you know. If anybody hasn't seen that famous clip from the eighties of Dickie giving the the, uh, the NFL analysis, I mean that's that's worthwhile. Just true down you, memory. Do not just contact Ian Rock. Maybe he has some, some inkling <laughs> have to contact him. Maybe he's a, we'll give Dino a shot. Uh, can we have a quick like one minute conversation because we have to bounce? But a quick one minute conversation. It looks as if there's going to be a vote column with the owners to have four games abroad each year. It's starting to look as if they're starting to hit the 2022. It's looking unlikely for London, isn't it now? Um, well, I think my take was always, unless you're gonna have full stadiums and you could have a week, there was no point in bringing the teams over. I would love if that was the case. I'd love to be going over to, to London to watch games, but um, I just, I don't know if that would be the case. We're, what, coming towards April, the votes next week as well with the owners. They, they, they will decide it, next week, give, it's, give or take. Look, it's, it's still possible, but the longer it goes without announcements, because remember all the logistics that have to go into it, it's it's everything that built, that's built around it. It's not just bringing a, a team over to, to play a game. This is not just like a, a, you know, a Champions League fixture. So to me, it's it's unlikely. Brandy, a 30 second tip me. You something that's going to happen? Haven't given up hope. As I said oh, from day one, um, I still think, yeah, the logistics and all, I still think they will put it in the schedule and they will decide in July. Michael, I think the very first ever UK number one in the official charts was a song by Frankie Lane called I Believe, which Robson and Jerome covered in the 90s, actually, as well. And I still believe. Well, that was Whitney and Mariah that I still believe. But I believe we're going to have... An NFL game in London 21 still. 
Uh, I've spent five minutes making this graphic. We're going to very quickly show it. The Dolphins have a lot of draft picks over the next three years. And also, I have been too lazy to delete that promo code. Paddy's five euro off. Paddy's, Paddy's, Paddy's. Join us. Subscribe to the podcast. We'll see you next week with a couple of shows next week. I'm off work from Thursday, so there definitely will be a couple of shows next week. Cheers, lads. See you later. Have a good one. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck.